Instagram page. I'm your host, Adam Lowry, as usual. Welcome, everybody. I'm running the operation myself this morning, so it's just me. So you may see me clicking back and forth, uh, going between uh, double-checking on some recordings, etc. But hope you're taking care of you. Hope you're living your cognitive rampage. This one's going to get interesting. Got my notes in front of me to try to keep me on track here, because uh, you know I'm probably going to go off, uh, more than likely. But um, I have one two, three, four, four topics and a little tip at the end um, to reference the topics to let you know what I'm going to talk about off right off the top. Uh, I'm going to talk about doing your job nicely and professionalism. Yes, I had an incident this weekend. <laughs> um, second, I'm going to talk about free college. That's uh, a topic in the news a lot that I hear people talking a lot about. And I got some things to say about that. So imagine that. And then I'm going to talk about student loans and some crazy things that are happening right now with people that are unable to pay their student loans. Uh, show courtesy of uh, Lee Camp and John Oliver as well from last weekend tonight. But uh, I wanted to expand on the topic. They only have a 30 minute show, so they only have a few minutes, but I got all the time I need. Um. Then I'm going to talk about issues that I have with therapy, counseling, and psychology. From a licensure standpoint, from those that practice in the field, and the licensure requirements, schooling, etc., and what I like to call supervision hijacking, uh, I'm also going to lead that into talking about psychology in the classroom with kids at certain ages and what they're teaching, etc., uh, then from there, that's going to lead me into a little iPhone rant that I'm going to go off on um, and a little tip for those in relationships or those married or those in love or when you do find that. Uh, I'm going to cover that at the end, but um, those are the topics I'm going to reference on this time to purge the issues segment, episode, I don't know, of the podcast. Um yeah, I'm just double-checking, so we got the settings, we are streaming live, everybody's there, we are good, so I'm going to close down the back end so I can get back going. All right, all right, hope you're doing all right, I hope your weekend was fun, for the most part, I had a, a wonderful weekend, uh, I, I love I love the volleyball weekends, uh, when it's gone, now two weekends of the month, I'm pretty much gone, right, I'm in a different city, um, this one was local, which was nice, but... For those of you volleyballers out there, uh, players, girl volleyballers, guy volleyballers, coaches, recruiters, everything, and especially the parents that are traveling on those weekends, you know what I'm talking about and the insaneness of which it can be. But when you can move aside all the have to hustles and get arounds and let's get them there on time and you can get by all that and you're really just sitting on the sideline watching your little one play and watching them have fun and lose and fear and win and celebrate and smile and socialize. That's what you watch. And, you know, I guess that's the most important part about the sports for me. You know, it's not the winning, right? I mean, I say all that shit, but I think a lot of times we get too focused on the winning of those competitive things. And you see it, man. And those crowds, those parents get crazy, man. They're screaming at referees. And sometimes these referees are the girls. They're 15-year-old girls refing on the back corner. And they miss, you know, calls. And these parents are relentless. You know, they will say some of the meanest stuff to these girls. And I just think it's so, it's so terrible. Um, you know, because these girls, that's a lot of pressure. I refereed once or twice in a game uh, in her middle school days. but And it's stressful. You can't always see the ball hit the line, etc., you know. So... Anyway, it gets crazy out there. So for all of you that survived a volleyball weekend, uh, you made it. Four more months to go. Yep. It's a long season at Volleyball World. But um, it was a good one, though. I love watching her play uh, and have a good time. And so we enjoy doing that. But so that leads me to Saturday, Sunday morning. Sunday morning, I'm simply, um, I'm not even going to state the place. But I was at a place waiting on some food and kindly waiting. And just thinking about, it was about 7 a.m. on a Sunday morning. And 
just thinking about how awesome it was. You know, I was in such a great place. I'm like, this is beautiful. I love doing this. And, um, you know, I watched about six or seven people go in front of me. People I definitely showed up way before uh, were served and gone, served and gone. And, hey, mistakes happen, right? So I just leaned in and said, hey, you know, here's my receipt. You may have missed it. And she said, oh, no, she's making it over there. That's what I got. And I said, okay, no problem. And I uh, waited, and the lady that was uh, making the food uh, saw me ask. And anyway, she uh, f- finished and set it on the counter and walked away. And mind you, I'm about 10 feet from the counter. And she sets it on the counter, and no one says anything or looking. We didn't even make eye contact, so I, she didn't even see that she set it there. So I said, okay, you know, I walk up and grab it and you know, look around. And the napkin holder in front of me had no napkins in it. And so I looked behind me. And there were two or three more canisters, but they were all empty as well. And so I walk a lap around, try to find one, and I find find one, but it's so overstuffed that I try to pull one, and I'm just getting little pieces. You know, when you try to pull the napkin out, and you get like the, you're like, what am I, you know what? So I leave that, and I kindly walk over to the lady who uh, I had talked to earlier about, you know, asking where the food was. And I said, hey, can I have a few napkins, please? Uh, and she goes, well, there's some right there. And I go, no, it's empty. And she goes, well, they're behind you. And I went, no, those are empty too. And she looks around and there is a, another lady who had made her way to the overstuffed one that I had found earlier. And she makes this face and this mannerism toward the girl and mouths to her as if I'm not standing five feet from her. If you're watching live, it, it helps. But she goes, there's napkins right here. And I froze for a minute and I went, excuse me. I said, look, I saw you. I understand that you felt the need. You needed to mouth off and be all nasty or sarcastic toward her when I'm simply just looking for napkins. I get that. And I get that you may believe yourself to be better than this job that you're doing. I get that. I understand we all want to move forward with ourselves in our lives. You know, we all expect certain things, right? We want to achieve things. I get that. But today, you're here. And today, your job was simply to be nice. That's all. Just a little professionalism is all you needed. Now, I get it that you may think that you're above the job that you're at. But where you're at then, I don't understand why people that work a job they may see as shitty or believe other people see it as shitty. Or maybe they're having a shitty day. But then they have to perform the job shitty. Louis C.K. does a great stand-up on it. you got to look that up. It is hilarious. But he talks about why they just, bleh, they just look at you as if like, what? Can I help you? And that's what it was like. And I'm like, look, if, you're, if this is the job you're at, why can't people just do that well? You know? As if maybe she's supposed to be managing by now or something. I mean, I get that. We have bad days. We do, but it was not the first time. We all see it. We've all been to certain places, and the service that we receive is, well, shitty. And a lot of times we don't say anything, right? We just keep going. It's just not worth, you know, the issue. Not to mention it's a shitty job the way I see some of it. But you know what? For some people, it's a job. It's more than what many, many people around this world will ever have or see. But because your perception may take it some way, you have to, you don't have to, Put that out to everyone else, including your day, if you're having a bad day. You know, it's just be nice. Show some professionalism. You know, I think about, you know, myself as a counselor or even my wife as a ARMP, nurse practitioner in the ER. What if she got to choose how she responded to people? And mind you, who she's seeing in the ER every day, right? You're talking people in the ER for eight hours for a hangnail. You know, people that had a cough for two hours and, you know, waited 12 in the ER. You're talking a total overutilization of medicine. And she sees these people day in and day out when really what she wants to say is, you know what, take better care of yourself. You know what, do this, stop doing that. And she can't. She has to show a level of professionalism and treat each patient fairly, which she is excellent at. So what if a therapist or a counselor could choose and go, you know what, look, This you just this is you, your life's way over, dude. Just forget this shit. You know what I mean? We can't do that. We can't choose. 
you know, and to on who we want to be professional with. I mean, we can choose, obviously, but if we do, we suffer those direct consequences, you know, be that personally or professionally. So it's just a suggestion out there, man. If you're doing a job that you don't like, A, you don't have to. Do something about it. You can make those changes. You don't have to sit and wallow and blame the government or the man or somebody holding you back or what the fuck. And now, look, I get the whole notion. I'm not telling you pull yourself up by your bootstraps either because this is a fucked up, you know, corporate, you know, rigged world. I understand that. I get that. And we all fall into those places once or twice in our lives, if not for a long time. I get that. There are unfair things out there. Those things exist. But what we can't do is go quietly into the night. You can't just work the job that you have. Maybe be grateful for the job that you have. Smile every day. Help someone out. I mean, that's what we can do. So, I mean, a lot of people don't get to choose. So no matter what your job is, you should get to choose to go to work that day. And you can choose to be happy about that. And you can choose to be nice to people. And do your job well. You never know who's watching. I promise you that. You never know who's watching. You do a job far, you know, beyond. Even if it's, you know, some fast food job you may be talking about. Do that job well. You do it well and people notice. People notice, man. They really do, you know. So, I mean, it just seems like customer service. I don't want to get into that rant, you know. It's just gone the way of the birds, it seems like, you know. But... All right. On speaking of working shitty jobs you don't like, college. <laughs> Free college. You like that? I'm better. I'm swallowing, drink, sipping away from the mic. I'm getting better at it. Now, free college. Speaking of, used to mean a better job. It used to mean a career. You know, it really had its day. And it still does in its sense, right? We can't discount it because, look, we still live in this American dream society system. This still is the system. And so if you play by the system rules, you can do very well in this system. If you do school and you do uh, careers and internships, if you pursue the system within the system rules to its full extent and enthusiasm, you can do very, very well. So college is still part of that. You can pursue that college. And look, I, I suggest everyone find competence in some direction. And I'm not a giant, hey, everyone needs to go to college either. That by far is not this guy. You know, I've been thinking kind of the way I see college now is, look, go to college if you're going to be a doctor, a lawyer, a counselor, you know, something that requires some sort of state certifications and full-on licensure boards, etc., which I'm going to get to in a minute, which is a crock of shit too. But I'll get to that. But, I mean, you know, you want to be an engineer, you want to be a scientist, you know, you're going to walk down those roads, uh, a teacher, etc. You know, but, you know, there's a lot of things to do out there that, you know, you can just take a class at college. You can, you don't have to be degree seeking, you know, you can just go take a marketing course and pay for that and require the competence you need to build what you have to. So, um, you know, a lot of times a four-year degree these days is basically the high school diploma. I mean, a master's degree is heading that way as well soon. So, it's, it's, A, it's only getting more expensive along the way. And so, my, my point is that it can help you. Following those paths can help you, but nor do I suggest it's the must path. A lot of parents, I think, Manchurian-like candidate their responses to their children when it comes to college. It seems like the safe point that you just say, yes, you're going to go to college. You're going to da-da-da. You know, there's a guy that was on the podcast uh, named Jeremy Pound. If you haven't listened to that podcast, I suggest you do. It's in the top 10 uh, of ours. But Jeremy Pound is one of the youngest SEOs of a very large company in South Florida called Juicy Results. And he is not a college graduate. And what he did at 17 was walk into a newspaper uh, that happened to own about 17 newspapers in the era of the website. And he knew how to build websites, self-taught, and had some help along the way, read some books. But um, basically said, hey, you guys need websites. And they said, yeah, we do. And up and running. So he just followed a passion, right? And he talks on that show about something I'm going to talk about here. Was the idea of, because I did it, you have to do it. This idea of paying dues. And what he said on the show was, no, I don't. I don't have to do it that way. I don't have to pay the dues because you did. A lot of times as parents or 
um, whatever. We, we get older and we say, look, I paid my dues and that's how I earned what I have. Therefore, that's how you do it. Well, there's no one way to do it, right? There's no one way to skin a cat. So that notion to enforce your own beliefs only comes from because you experienced it. So if you experienced a certain way and it provided the reward that you hoped it would, well, like a rat in a maze, you will perform or repeat that same process as being the only way toward success. And so we enforce those beliefs to our kids about college, etc., or whatever our route was. Uh, it doesn't have to be college, but I'm focusing on that topic or attempting to. And as we experience those things ourselves and we have to then enforce them almost and it seems like you know why won't they just do it you know it, we know it works and because we know it works that's what feels safe and all in all that's really really what we want for our kids right is to be safe to be secure so it only makes sense that the way we found safety and security is the way that we would sell it or enforce it to our children or those we love if you can take that same idea and apply it to this idea of free college. It freaks people out. Because bullshitly, <laughs> I made that up, millions of people are hosting college debt that is out-fucking-rageous. That's a full-on curse word. It's out-fucking-rageous. It is not okay. To get an education should not cost money. If education is the key, why isn't it free, to quote Bob Marley? But yet we hoard the information with dollar signs, keeping out low socioeconomic status and those without parental guidance and proper uh, care or access to access this education, this information. And hell, that's what the whole reggae movement's about. It's the processing, the oppression of the poor and the poverty, keeping them from education. I mean, that's what we're doing here, is we're keeping those at a disfortunate place, away from education, the key that we all brag about, that every president runs under at some point, has gotten more expensive and more expensive and less valuable. So they make it more expensive to make it more valuable. That's what American does, right? That's capitalism. It's more valuable because not everybody can afford it. See, it used to be valuable because not everybody pursued it with passion. When it became something you just had to check off in the American dream, well, it got saturated. It got diluted. It lost value. Bullshit schools popped up left and right that didn't mean anything. Now you're seeing emergence away from the university. You're seeing these uh, revolutionary thought universities begin to develop. Renegade University for one of those on the horizon. But you start to see that. New ways to see competence in the education without having to play into the system. But like I said, we are in the system. And for now, the system is robbing our children. It's probably, more than likely, anchored you. I mean, what, to mention Lee Camp and John Oliver's show, what they talked about, they arrested a man for not paying his student loans. Ten years, hadn't paid him, working, trying to. But they filed a civil lawsuit and ended up coming to his home and took him from his home. Are you listening to me? Took a free man from his home, incarcerated him because he did not pay on a student loan. This is a free country, people. Education. We don't go to jail for getting an education. The man wanted an education, and he went to jail for it. That's crazy to think about. How many times you pass by on a month or two when you missed a bill because you had to pay for your kid's food or something instead, and you were two or three months late behind on your car? What if you went to jail for that? Think about it. But yet, we tell our children education is the key. We hand them devices like Google and iPhones that allow them to access, access all this wonderful information of knowledge out there. And then for them to go learn from professors. See, teachers aren't just teachers or professors. They're more like mentors or coaches because they're molding those kids. They're helping more almost outside of the class sometimes than they are inside. Those professors that really know what they're doing. Shout out to Professor George Brooks. But when you mold with them like that. I mean, this is 
where they I, I just I can't fathom sometimes how we can as a as a nation act like we care so much about the kids when we really don't give a fuck. How on PC is that? You know, I'm almost in tears when I hear when I start talking about it like that. As this country, we and presidents and senators, we stand up front and we, we talk about let's educate the kids, let's take care of the the kids, and we don't. You cut the education budget the minute war starts. I mean, it's the first thing to get cut. We've standardized education to make little robot children of memorization that aren't allowed the freedom and creativity to self-teach, even even though we know scientifically that they will self-learn when they follow their own interests. But we stifle creativity. We stifle those things, and we say, no, you must fit within this system, and in order to succeed in this system, you must weigh this anchor, and you must hold this anchor of financial debt to do so. And if you try to go outside of these norms, well, it's going to be difficult for you. Because let me tell you, the life of an entrepreneur is fucking romantically played out. People just put it out there as if it's this romantic notion. I see it on Twitter posting about living the entrepreneur lifestyle. And listen, let me tell you, if you're not an entrepreneur, it is a tough life. That starving artist reference you know? Why don't you just call that the starving entrepreneur life? Because it's a lifestyle. It's not about a, obtaining success or things as much as living what you do. It's a tough life. It's not as romantic as many people think it is. But yet, <laughs> many parents discourage entrepreneurship, creativity, self-teaching. Allowing their own children to follow their interest. Instead, we force the system down their throat because we think it'll be safe for them. And then we wonder why depression, ADHD, eating disorders, and every other disorder mentally you can think about is on the rise with children and teenagers. Why do you think? Look at it from a macro level, not a micro level. Don't look at drugs. Don't look at the environment so much as on a micro level. Look at a macro level. We're taking our natural existing species that wants to create and be free and explore and travel. And then we say, no, you have to fit within these guidelines, within these social constructs. And in order to succeed in life or find happiness or things or feel freedom in a sense, you have to then be confined to a system or a process and a method that we have designed 200 fucking years ago. So now when I tell you free college and you want to argue with me that because you had to pay for it, your children should, I thought you wanted the best for your kids, better than you. See, I want my daughter to have way better than me. She's already better than me, but I don't want her to have any other stresses. If she can have free college without having to kill her back, her back physically playing volleyball or kids risk their heads in concussions and get worked like full-time athletes in college, to get it? Well, then I'm all fucking in. Because I don't believe my daughter should have to go through it just because I did. I don't think that it's the only way to get somewhere because, well, that's what I've been told or that's what I lived. So when you ask me if I think there should be free college, fuck yes. Who's going to pay for it? If your question of who's going to pay for it follows a question of humanity... Well, then I ask you to question your own humaneness. Because how dare you talk about, well, who's going to pay for it when children are dying with no health care across this fucking country every day? When children go uneducated and fall into a life of crime and violence because they didn't know or think they could get there because it was too expensive or they weren't fast enough because they weren't tall enough. Who's going to pay for it? You fuck, who gives a fuck who pays for it? We all should pay for it as long as those kids don't fall into violence, crime, and they find another way and they can express their creativity. And when we can let loose a generation to do what they want to do to open up, well then maybe, just maybe, if we stop enforcing our own fears on our own children, maybe they could blossom into something and actually change this fucking world and do something good instead of being stifled into another process or a system of what someone else says that we're supposed to do. But yet we go on TV every day as these fucking politicians from right in the left side talk about they give a fuck. Talk about they care about the kids and the education. Makes me sick. Makes me fucking sick. So when you talk and you want to talk to me about free college, sir or ma'am, 
and your first question to me is after I say it, who's going to pay for it? Well, then our conversation's over because I can only have a conversation with a rational, humane person. Because if you can find a way to disconnect everything that I just did without saying who's going to pay for it, well, then maybe we can have a conversation. And the social media boards are up to post. So if you can find an argument around that, all that I connected, the depression, the anxiety, all of these processes and systems and stifling of creativity, all of these connections based around a notion of we hoard education. Listen, when you give somebody free college, you're, if you start to connect this to, whoa, you're just handing it out, we're giving handouts again, you forgot about something. They still have to earn the grades. Hello? They still have to earn the grades. Just because college is free doesn't mean you pass. So if we give them a shot, I think every kid is worth a shot of one semester, don't you? I think every kid should be given a shot to go at it. And if they, maybe that semester is what turns them around. I think every kid should get a free shot at college. And if they don't make it, well, then that's on them and they failed. That's effort. Then maybe you got to pay for it after your first attempts or free attempts or something. You know, we can work that out. Those are details. But hey, mind you, the devil is in the details. And if you're talking about the details, well, then I know what you're talking about. So outside of that, staying on the macro level, I mean, there's ways to do that. We can find ways. I know we can. I mean, education and competence, creativity changes lives. But if you can find a way other than how are we going to pay for it and because you did and because it teaches something, well, I'm sorry, but those are irrational arguments based on my first response about the humanitarian impact of free education and giving everybody a fair and equal shot to knowing, the learning, and the growing. And since we're in the system, well, college still happens to be one of those routes. Those kids still got to earn the grades. Schools are already beginning to separate themselves, universities are, by requiring much higher entry-level GPAs, SAT scores, etc. It's getting astronomical, honestly. It's getting nuts. But they're having to find ways to differentiate from other colleges. That's where sports comes in, right? But if they can separate by requirements, you get the Ivy Leagues, etc. So those kids that do excel still have those places to excel at. I don't think Harvard's going anywhere. But state schools or anything else? I mean, these presidents make millions of dollars a year. So do the school programs on sports. And I get it. They got to pay for facilities and pay teachers. I get that. Those professors are probably the most important thing other than the students at that school. Shout out to all professors out there on the grind and students. But, you know, they can make tenure. You know, maybe, I mean, maybe the universities have to become self-sustaining more or less instead of getting government checks for education from our kids. I mean, we have universities that basically collect money from the government to let kids go to school. But why can't those universities invent things, cure things? I mean, a lot of them do. Don't get me wrong. But find a way to fund it with that. I mean, you tell me the Florida State sports and all that income coming in doesn't help. <laughs> no, it's because boards get their cut. These people get their cut because it's so chopped up. Everybody gets a fucking piece of the money, teat that the kids get fucked on the end. But right, we're a country that cares about our kids. You fucking kidding me? You politicians, quit with that shit. Quit talking about education. Quit talking about you give a damn. And both sides. I'm serious, man. I don't give a shit about my daughter. I don't see nobody fucking offering her free education unless she's six foot two or got a four foot vertical. That's what I see. And I see parents going nuts, all fucking, you know, ruining relationships with their kids. Reference movie Trophy Kids by Chris Bell. Ruining their relationships, causing depression, anxiety. I mean, the anxiety level rises in teenagers right now is ridiculous. They're feeling pressures of college. I mean, you got sophomores feeling pressures of NFL and NBA. 
I mean, it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous, man. Uh, so when you want to argue free college with me, come on. Put a comment on there. Post something that's something other than who's going to pay for it. You know? Shit. Put something up there. You know what? If, if you can respond and you are intelligent in your response to what this is, I will have you on the podcast. And we will sit here and we will talk about free college. Because, look, I don't claim to be a maven. I don't claim to know all the ins and outs. Because, look, we, we get how house of cards, all the political shit can get in any corporation. Especially when it's being funded by government checks. So, if somebody out there is an expert in free college, student loans, etc., I offer you to come on the show and convince my ass why the hell we got to pay for it and why these kids should have to bear those burdens or these parents should have to save up for 10, 15 years to try to pay for it. I mean, Eddie Vedder says it in his Masters of War remake, Bob Dylan song, The Best. We have brought the worst fear into this world. The fear to bring children into this world. Think about that. A fear exists in this country to bring children into this world. Hell, a fear to bring children into this world exists across the world. That fear got created. That's scary to think about. So, anybody out there, uh, please, come educate me. I'm not a maven. I'm, I'm willing to listen to the house of cards and, and, and how connected and bureaucratical this fucking shit is. Bureaucratic it is. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm open. So, into free college rant. Because you had to do it. What the fuck? You want better for your kids? I'm sorry I'm so passionate today. I'm, if I've offended you, I'm sorry. I probably did. But, as you see, I'm quite passionate in the fight for our children. Incompetence and education. I really am. I, I, I so am. I would go to war for every teenage boy and girl out there. You know? I swear to God I would. You know, and for all you parents out there that feel the way I do, that are looking at this system the same way, that have been breaking your back for years, or those parents that have gone through the system and grown up and, and sent kids out of the nest to do so, you get it. You see the burdens. Hell, a lot of you are bearing the student loan burdens for your children. It's insane. It's absolutely insane. So, I guess, you know, if I'm going to come hard and passionate like this, it's going to be for the kids. So, uh, to quote Trick Daddy, Adam loves the kids, man. That he does. Mm. Shit gets me hot. But uh, um, let me see. Um, yeah, we are. Uh, we're streaming live. Yeah, we got people watching too, brother. Yeah. Oh, second topic. Moving on. I'm sorry. I'm done. Uh, I talked about people being arrested already. Uh, I can't believe that for non-payment, man. It's it's ridiculous. So the issue I want to go into and talk about is the issues of, I just call it the issues of therapy, right? And what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about the field of counseling, psychology, licensed clinical social workers, uh, pick a pick, pick a tagline, man, um, whatever. But I'm going to focus more on the schooling part. I'm coming right off of college, right? So it's a perfect little lead in, if you will. Now, to become a mental health counselor, to become a licensed clinical social worker, those steps are as follows. High school, two-year, four-year, master's degree, generally a two- to three-year program. The third year is generally one year of internship. Then you do that internship, and you, then you are, then you have your master's. Then you're called what's called a registered mental health counselor because you register with your state. That costs you money, by the way. So not only are you holding massive college debt, um, have fought three years to go through it. Uh, once you come out with a master's, let's say in mental health or a master's in social work, guess what? You can't do anything. Not anything that makes any kind of money anyway. What you can do is you will be hired within those drug rehab hospitals. You know, the ones that are robbing everybody and killing people. Uh, they love it because you're cheap labor. So, and they know you need your licensure hours. So that's what comes after. So you get a master's. And then you have to spend two years, two years. You can do it no faster. You can't do it any quicker. It has to be two years and in two or longer. But in two years, you now have to be supervised for 15 hours a week. One of those hours only being face to face by somebody, which means you basically do your job 
and then you talk about it for 14 hours, either with the phone or something with somebody, or maybe they sit in the room with you. And then once a week for that hour, you get face-to-face and talk about it. It always sounds good. It always sounds good, right? I'm all for internship. I love mentorship, but it should be called mentorship, right? But this becomes supervision is what they call it. So you do two years of supervision, one year of intern, after two years of schooling for your master's, one year of intern for some hours, and now you got to do two more years of supervision hours, like I just said. Now, sure, we all want our counselors and social workers to be educated and experienced. I agree with you. We need that, right? Experience brings that. I'm all for the internships. I'm all for the supervision. These are good things because we can help share knowledge. Leo was was uh, instrumental uh, in my life as a counselor. So these are positive things from it. But here's why I call it hijacking supervision. Imagine you have a master's. Let's say you have a kid. Your four-year degree didn't do you much, so you have a middle job to try to get you through. So for the last three years, you've sacrificed nearly 20, 25 extra hours a week getting your master's degree, if not more. You now come out with your master's degree. They're willing to hire you at this facility, but they're going to pay you 18 bucks an hour. So now you're a master's degree holder, and in 10 months, you have to start paying on your student loan, which is $1,000 a month. So you're $1,000 a month, and they're going to pay you $18 an hour, But what they said is we're going to give you supervision, which is good, right? So they pay you like shit, which is good for them because now you're on low overhead. They never make you full time, so you don't get benefits either. You're going to work about 30 hours, 35 hours. So you get no benefits. You make $18 an hour, and you're paying $1,000 a month in 10 months very shortly. You can defer for a while, so that's still coming, though. But And you're going to do a job where you really need a lot more experience. See, that's my problem is when you take a just out of master's degree program counselor and you throw them in a drug rehab facility, whether that's inpatient or outpatient, you're dealing with some of the most affected mentally people that they could deal with. It's a very sensitive demographic. And so imagine this, a newly grad, 22 years old, comes out of college, from the Midwest, hasn't seen much strife in her life or his life. They graduate with their degrees and now they're ready to work and they now sit down and have to run a group of 10 to 12 drug addicts, schizophrenics, and ex-convicts. Mm-hmm. Well, good luck. Well, that's the kind of treatment that you get. And look, there are those that are excellent. Don't get me wrong. I get it. I'm speaking generally here. There's, it's a great way to learn. You're thrown in the, in the lion's den, if you will. Sure. But are those the patients that we should be testing and training people on? I mean, these people need the highest level of care we can provide because they're at the highest risk presently. But instead, we offer them an intern who hasn't seen much of life or much experience. And that person's supposed to help these people in some of the most trying times of their lives. Some do. I know that. Some do. But I have an issue with that. Now back to the selfish reasons of the therapist itself. The therapist or social worker, whatever. So now you got to work two years within this facility where you're probably going to get really jaded. Because your first entry into this, I mean, when you're thrown into that hellhole, you know, Medicare, Medicaid type funded, if you go into a man... Let me tell you, you can really begin to get jaded and hate the uh, the whole field because you start learning this stuff. Because then you learn how fucked the system is. Then you learn how they're just medicated every day. Then you learn most of the people are just hooked and they're trying to uh, get over on you. I said most, but some are and, uh, and some aren't. Right? Some really need help and you realize you can't offer them the help they need because, well, it's either not allowed or it's not within guidelines. So it's very easy to get jaded young. I bet we lose many a good counselors within those two to three years of internship or just out of master's degree, I'm sure, because it's tough. So $18 an hour, two years. If you're lucky and get those, if you get in, right, if you can get that. Problem is what has happened 
is I'll, I'll bring this back later. What has happened is now those that have master's degrees and licenses and tons of other certificates, well, private practice is slowing down. So now they're leaving private practice or they're closing their private practices and they're seeking employment. Well, now you have licensed people with five to 10 years of experience and tons of certifications now applying for that same job of the newly graduate. Well, now they're being hired and they're actually being paid still $18 an hour. There's a local place here that when I just moved back to Orlando, I was in talks with until they talked about what they were paying. And it was 17 an hour. I couldn't believe it. And so now you have these master's degree trainings, even some doctors, PhDs, that are being offered $18 an hour, $22 an hour to be a full-time therapist in these hospitals with a caseload that's dramatic, overdone. They have to, in order to service their clients well, they have to put in 50 hours a week. You know, it's bad. And so that's what's happening. So now the clinical jobs that used to go to those newly graduates because they were cheaper are now being filled with those that are leaving private practice because, well, insurance is paying less, less things are being covered, and who's got so much money to pay a counselor, you know, $150 a week? <clears throat> Not to mention the rise of epidemics uh, or the rise of the opiate epidemic, etc. So these rehabs are popping up everywhere, need more and more counselors as well. So now... You get licensed, if you're lucky, that way. The other way you get licensed is by having someone supervise you outside of where you work. Because where you work may not classify, and sometimes there's so many fucking rules uh, that certain departments can only supervise certain departments. Uh, it, it gets pretty detailed. So a lot of times you got to seek and find your own supervision. That happens to the majority. So the majority are hunting down supervision. Well... Other licensed mental health counselors, social workers, psychologists that have their license, what they're doing, they're the ones that qualify to supervise these up-and-comers, and they get qualified with the states that they're in, etc. Well, they're charging. Yep, they're charging. They're charging, some are charging up to $250 per hour. So you make $18 an hour if you're lucky. If you don't have a job, just coming out of a master's degree, you got a hellified student loan, you've barely gotten by to get your degree, you can hardly find a job because it's filled with 10 to 15 years experience people who are getting out of private practice. You need to get your license so you can compete in the world. But to get your license, now you have to be willing to pay an upwards of $35 per hour to $250 per face-to-face -face hour. Remember I said you got to do 15 hours a week and then one hour face-to-face. So sometimes they'll charge you 250 which is their hourly rate as a licensed psychologist or 150 bucks as a licensed clinical social worker, whatever. They'll charge you that face-to-face -face hourly rate and then maybe talk to you for the other 14 or some charge for all of those, a smaller rate, you know, 25 bucks for all 15 hours. So can you fucking believe that? I call it hijacking supervision. How dare, I mean, we're eating each other. You know what I mean? Nurses have to do it. Licensure runs in master's degrees and a lot of other fields. And it's like we eat each other. It said, you know what? My private practice isn't doing that good. So what I do for side money is I take advantage of young graduates and I tax the fuck out of them. Yeah, I said that. Yeah, I said that to you. You out there that are charging that fucking new graduate who's trying to make become a counselor and help people. Yeah, that's you. That's you charging them money. To give them education. No. To give you. To give them your opinion. That's what you're doing. You're charging them for, you, for your opinion. As if they're your client. That you're helping with therapy. Now you can help supervise them. But what happened to just mentoring people? What happened to just helping people become better counselors? Better psychologists. Right? Nope. The state's got to get their money. The state's got to get money too. No. We, no. 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 What we're going to do is. This is how we ensure Good quality counselors. Well, guess what? There's actually a test, a test question on the state exam for licensure that says, does having a license guarantee that you're good at your job? And obviously the answer is no, but we all have to have it. Why? So the state can continue to get paid. They get paid when we file our application to become a registered whatever. They get paid on the back end when we got to pay them to take the state exam to get fucking licensed. And we got to pay everybody. They got licensed before us and they charge us the same. Why? 
because the same excuse for free college, because we had to do it. You see how I connected those two there? You like that? So that same notion is because we had to do it, because that's the way it is, because that's what I got charged, because, well, I'm worth money. We tax those that we say that are in the field that we are, that are in the field to help people, that are in the field to make people's lives better. We tax those that are joining forces with us. We tax them money because of our time, because we don't want to give away our competence. We don't want to give away what we know, our wisdom. We want to hoard it and find a way that we can make money on it. It's disgusting. It's just the way I see it, man. You can frame it any way you want to. Remember, it's all perception anyway. So you can frame your reality however you want to. That you're worth it, that you're expensive, that you got taxed, that you got bills to pay. Well, they are taking my time. You can say anything you want to. I'm just telling you what my perception is, man. Telling you what I see. I don't know why we can't mentor and help. I mean, it's still that system, that process. That process does not ensure an ethical, good licensed counselor at all. And for those of you that have hunt down therapists and counselors that have been through the gamut and have yet to find someone to connect to, you see what I mean. Doesn't ensure that we're good. But I urge you, keep trying. Don't stop. If you've been to four or five and it doesn't connect, keep trying. You know, it'll definitely happen because it's definitely good for you. I just, when I see people that I know for the most part intrinsically want to help people if there is intrinsic motivation that want to help people at least get taxed along the way man I mean hell our high school teachers middle school teachers they deal with the same thing you know they have continuing education credits this is where they extend the arm even further is each year I'm all for continuing education I get the notion is you got to stay up to date Trust me, you have to. So much changes so quickly, you have to. The hope is, that as a professional yourself, that you would want to study and research anyway. But uh, I guess the state's got to give you homework to make sure that as a professional that you want to keep up to date. So uh, we have mandatory CE credits. Uh, I'd urge you if you got to do that and you're all pissed about it, maybe you're in the wrong profession. But a lot of times the CE credits are bullshit. I mean, and that's a racket too. Look up continuing education credits. a million places that you can buy our thing for continuing education credit. Everybody out to get money. Everybody get, get money from us. Buy our program. Get your CEs here. I mean, it's just how many fucking tits can we put off financially in the helping field until, oh, that's right. We have the mental and medical health care system we have today. <gasps> Maybe that's why. Because everybody's got a fucking hand in it. Everybody's trying to rip it out when the basis of both of these fields, medical and mental, is to help people, cure people, make their lives better, service them, help them. But we found a way to fuck that up too. You know, for those warriors out there that are doing it differently, keep fighting, as Lee Camp would say. You know, keep fighting on that. Keep, keep fine. Give away your licensure. Keep giving away your mentorship. Keep giving away your lessons. For all of you warriors and tribe of change that are doing that, I love you. You're it. You're how you do it. Giving your stuff away, helping people out. If you're a psychologist or a social worker, putting in your 60 hours and you're kicking ass and you're barely coming home at night and you're missing your own family, I know how it goes. I know how it goes when you care about your patients so much and you look at a system that's so fucked and you can't help them. I know how that feels. I know how it feels when you're out there grinding. And you put in the time, maybe. And you put in your licensure. And you went through all of this shit that I just said. Well, then you're a fucking warrior and you made it. And hopefully we can pass down a change. A way to do it differently. If we just keep forcing it. You know? Give away the competence. Give away your mentorship. Give away your experience. Stop fucking pricing yourself, man. I mean... Yeah, you got to get your money. I get it. But when we're talking about other professionals here, other other colleagues that want to help and learn and grow from you and learn from you. And I'm not talking about your clients. I'm not talking about give away your service to your your clients. That's not what I mean. I mean, specifically here in the supervision type in the teaching world. I mean, maybe we can change that. But into that rant, dude, I went off there for a minute, you know, whew. 
Yeah, I also wanted to connect um, uh, psychology uh, in school, and I mean for high school, uh, not college, not not degree seeking. But you know, my my uh, my daughter's taking a psychology course right now, and she's a sophomore in high school, which is good that they have these classes. But I I wonder why a they don't have more of them. You know, I'm as everyone knows, I'm a fan of preventative mental health, not reactive mental health. Don't wait till some shit happens and then you're like trying to talk to somebody going, what the fuck do I do? You should know what you're going to do. You should be prepared mentally, physically, environmentally, emotionally, cognitively. You should be prepared and that's mental training, right? So I see it that way. So, you know, I don't know why we're not teaching those tactics in middle school, in high school. There's been a lot of research actually that was coming out that, um, teenagers and even younger, uh, much younger actually than teenagers, adolescents were adapting well to the cognitive restructuring approach to types of therapy because they get it right. They're imaginative in a sense, right? Uh, they can control and manipulate their own reality. They still believe, right? So you can use some of that. So we're seeing that more and more. So I don't get why. I mean, yes, I do. Uh, we're so reactive in medicine and reactive period. You know, we wait till something happens and then go, oh, shit. But, you know, why we can't be teaching preventative mental health classes or preventative, yeah, I like that, preventative mental health classes in middle school, you know, in high school. Why not? I mean, why do we wait to talk to them about depression? Why do we wait, you know, because they're uncomfortable and a lot of people don't know, you know? I mean, I'm in. If any school out there or program or academy or whatever um, wants to start a mental health class in their middle school or high school, I'm in. I'll I'll help teach it. I'll find people that'll teach it with me. Uh, I think that'd be awesome. You know, I just asked that. You know, why aren't we? You know, to sit down and be able to show a kid the ABCs of Albert Ellis's cognitive thinking and reframing. You know, when when you when there's an action, you have a belief. From that belief, create your C consequence. So, action, belief, consequence. If I want to change my C, my consequence, what do I change? My B, my belief. That's right. That's simple. You tell me those kids can't grasp that and go, man, so if any event happens, I can believe whatever I want to and create my own consequence? Yep. Oh, wow. I mean, the number one pressure these kids feel, right, is uh, judgment from other kids, etc. Man, I just, I'd love to teach that, man. I'd love to, to help teach kids, you know, mental training. I think I got this weird knack of taking, you know, terms or or phrases notions theories and psychology and turning them to very layman's terms Uh, i think i had to do that because to get to get school like that's how i grasped it was by going okay what you're really saying is this this and this and this here you know uh which is a lot of what my cognitive rampage book by the way which is coming out friday um buy it everywhere online amazon um kindle itunes few bookstores in new york and florida uh, my website, adamlowry.com or cognitiverampage.com, excuse me, either one. But uh, in that book, that's kind of what I did. I, I laid out some paths. There's an inventory for you to do. You will actually reveal your own philosophy. You'll write it down. It'll kind of reveal itself, which is really neat. Um, and the inventory is fun to do. It's kind of like this really neat day, daily inventory you can assess your life set up with. It's really neat. Uh, but I took a lot of psychological terms, if you will, things that a therapist or psychologist would be telling you uh, in reactive sessions and put them in a preventative way. You know, here is preventative psychology and how you can apply that, you know, uh, towards understanding. But, you know, that's what I, I wish we could do that. You know, I wonder why. You know, maybe uh, maybe there are. Hell, if you got a mental health training class out there or a psychology class at your school or high school, uh, hit me up. Let me know. I'd love to talk to you about what it's about and what you're doing with it. That'd be really fun. Uh, let's see. I like ending more positively, right? I'm <laughs> Like the post says, I had to get some things off my chest, so I am. Uh, so I'm going to leave the other two topics out there. The other little side topic I had was iPhones. Look, I just, I'm amazed. You know, I... My daughter cannot go to school without her iPhone. And it's not because she's, a you know, well, she is addicted to it. We all are, right? Um, no, but my point is she, all the classes are connected. The homework, the, the they have apps. Like, I mean, it's amazing. It's really cool. 
and next year, um, her high school, Timber Creek High School, is going um, full digital. So no books, no backpacks or whatnot, uh, all electronic. But, I mean, I think about, I watch so many parents that bitch at their kids for being on the screen, you know, uh, and they're on it 24-7. You know, I, I spend tons of time on it, way more than I should. Um, I'm working social media, etc. just an excuse, too, but... Um, it's funny at those volleyball games when I'm sitting around, uh, or just walking around, you can look at the bench or along the seating and you'll see like every parent on their phone, just standing there staring at it. And I think a lot of the older generations actually are a little more hooked than the younger generation. But, um, one, because I think the younger, younger generation grew up with it. The older generations are still like, Oh my God. Um, but, uh, where was I going? Oh yeah. So but those phones are almost required. And so I think about how hard it is for even myself or anybody else sometimes to just put the fucker down some days, right? And that we ask these kids to now, A, not be kids, learn to use their phone properly, stay off of the things they should, but we require them to take this device to school. That's a, I don't know, man. I don't want to be old-fashioned either and be like, oh, I'm all about books or whatever. I mean, I'm not saying that. I think technology's fucking awesome. I think that it's so cool, but I just... I was kind of thrown back when I was like, wait a minute, you can't go to school today without your phone? Well, okay. It was just, it threw me back, man. If you have those same issues too, tell me about it, man. You know, if you're dealing with that as a parent or something like that. Uh, or what you do. What do you do if you have to take the phone away because sometimes it happens or whatnot and they got to go to school? What do you do? You know, help your boy out. But um, I said I would end it with a tip for relationships and love, etc. And it's very short. It's not a long tip. Um, it's just something to think about. You know, each morning when you wake up, uh, if you are a goal-oriented person, uh, which it's good to be, I I would argue, I'll throw you left field here, I'm not a big fan of goals, if you will, and their specific notion. It can um, lead to a lot of misdirection, depression, etc. But uh, I prefer direction rather than goals. But if you're goal-oriented or whatnot, um, or you just like to meditate in the morning or remind yourself something to do, or maybe, you know, I always tell people to try to have a mantra for your relationship, something you repeat. Um, my wife and I's mantra is keep it cheesy, you know. Uh, we mean keep it cheesy by saying honey and baby a lot, right? We try to keep it cheesy. But, uh, you know, try to remember this. The tip is, you know, try to fall in love with your partner every day, you know, Literally, try to fall in love every day, if you will. Do something to to be romantic or be sweet or something. You know, even if it's as simple as just telling them they're nourishing. You know, something sweet. You know, it doesn't matter. But just try to fall in love with your partner every day. And definitely try to love yourself every day. No, just love yourself. There is no try. I'm going to steal Yoda. There is no try. Only do or do not. So love yourself every day. Hope you're taking care of you and living your cognitive rampage. Remember, the book comes out Friday, a cog The Cognitive Rampage, A Dose of Authentic Revelation. Uh, you can get it at CognitiveRampage.com, AdamLowry.com, uh, Amazon, iTunes. Uh, I will have the name of the stores in New York and Florida soon where you can pick that book up. Also, the limited edition book will be the book available on my website. Um, that limited edition book, each one of those limited edition books is a different look. It has a pretty cool customized look as well as a $250 value gift inside for everyone that buys the limited edition. And the limited edition book is the same price as the uh, book that will uh, be on Amazon as well. But it has that two, $250 gift and a little something extra personal in the limited copy. But... Um, as well, copy number 13, copy number 52, 152, 1,052, 10,052, 100,052, and so on and so on. Every 50-second book will have a very, very specific opportunity for whoever the lucky person is that gets those editions. And book 13, because that's my daughter's number, I had to use it. 52 is my number, in case of those of you that don't know, I sometimes sign my blogs, etc. with 52, but I was born at 6.52 p.m. as well. But copy 13 is its own little special something. 
So whoever gets that copy. But um, yeah, I feel better. How about you? You know, my manager, you know, Danny, I don't, I don't think I have to keep saying that, but Danny swears that this is my therapy. I think you may be right. So, well, I, uh, I love you. I hope you're taking care of you and living your cognitive rampage. Thank you.